Welcome to the Fitness and Nutrition Simplified Podcast, where we take all the confusing, conflicting information and break it down so that you can live your healthiest, strongest, most energized life. I'm your host, Brian Fitzsimmons. Let's get it started. All right, we're back at it again. I know it's been a couple days for you guys, but it's been about 30 minutes for me. <laughs> I just took a break from the Monday's podcast and did a quick, uh, quick, a quick protein drink review. And I got to say, it was better than I was expecting. I gave the Ancient Nutrition Bone Broth Protein a try. And reason being, I'll just... I guess we'll make this topic number one. When it comes to protein, a lot of us force it and because it is good to get more protein in your diet, but regardless of whatever you're entering into your diet, you need to focus on how your body feels because that's going to play a role in absorption. So for example, I've been doing every sort of protein I could possibly think of, uh, I gave whey a go because that's always everybody's introduction, usually um, the whey protein because it's the cheapest, it tastes the best, and it has a lot of studies backing it up because it's the most common form. But you get it from dairy. So a lot of people who don't do well with dairy don't do well with whey and casein for that matter because casein also is from milk sources, dairy sources. And so once I realized that was not for me because you find yourself going to the bathroom 30 minutes after you drink it, or you feel like you're walking around with like a brick in your stomach, that's what happens. And then I'm like, all right, well, time to find a new one. So I went for egg yolk protein back probably around like college time. I went for some egg yolk protein and that was some of the clumpiest, like thickest, grossest protein I've ever tasted. Now it might just be the brand because take what I say with a grain of salt. This is all limited to my experience. There's a lot of good different brands out there, but there's also a lot of shitty ones. So I hope this pop filter catches my dry mouth. Like when I do that little like reset of my, like when you swallow, because I know that was a little unsettling last time, guys, I do apologize. Not last podcast, hopefully not last podcast, but before I got the pop filter, which I'm hoping to eliminate. Anyway, back to the protein. Did the egg yolk protein didn't work. Then I stumbled upon a Redcon 1's MRE light protein and it served me pretty well. I'm, I didn't really feel that bad on it, but somewhere along the line, it I think they changed the formula up or something or added a creamer to like make it taste a little bit better, and my body just didn't like it. And on top of that, the fact that the CE or former CEO of Redcon 1, Aaron Singerman, is now going to jail for slipping steroids into some of their products or one of their products, I don't know. Regardless, he got caught, he got popped. Him and the guy from Blackstone Labs are both probably going to see jail time. But anyway, I don't want to associate myself with that type of company, and I don't trust them. When you come into the supplement space, there are so few companies that you can actually trust. It's very hard to find them. And right now, the only one I truly do trust, like even though I did uh, ancient nutrition review on them, I don't really know much about their company. I'll dive a little bit deeper if I can. But 
the only one I really do trust is Legion Athletics and um, any of the carbon products. The carbon brand is by uh, Dr. Lane Norton and Holly, his wife, Holly Baxter. And Legion products are uh, Mike Matthews, who wrote that book, uh, Leaner, Stronger, Faster, I think, or something like that. I'll put the book in the show notes because it is a good book. Um, but he also runs Legion Athletics, which is one of the more respected supplement companies out there. But yeah, you got to really, really find companies that you trust because there's so few, especially in the supplement space. Most are just scams because like when it comes to protein, for example, a lot of them like to take shortcuts for money's sake. One really common thing with protein is when companies will mess with the amino acid profile of the protein. So what I mean by that is, and this might not be the right verbiage, but there's protein in its whole form, and then there's amino acids, which are its most broken down form. And the amino acids are great and they provide a lot of benefit, but it's just not as effective as getting a whole protein source and like not having it in that broken down form. And the problem with the testing of products is that you can get around, you can make it seem like there's more protein in a product by doing what's called amino spiking, which is when they'll take amino acids and add them to a protein powder so that when they do go to test it like a third-party tester, they go and test it and it shows up like, oh, there's 20 grams of protein. But in reality, there's probably only like five or 10 grams and the rest of that was due to spiking it with amino acids because they're cheaper than the full form of protein. And I forget who it was. I think it might've been Mike Matthews or somebody else. They were like, they, a lot of supplement companies hire, um, mixing companies. Like they don't even do it in house. Like they'll hire some company and say, all right, add two scoops of this, one scoop of that, three scoops of this. And that company will do it for them. So they can tell these like these minimum wage workers that really don't have any skin in the game or like teenagers with their first job, like just do a scoop of this, scoop of that. The quality and the amount of scoops in each one are going to be every which way, under, over, whatever. So there are a lot of quality concerns when it comes to protein. And you see this too with low quality proteins, like some of them cause GI problems. Now, not necessarily because of the dairy problem, which, yeah, it's a legitimate thing, like dairy intolerances or sensitivities, whatever you want to call them, yeah, they're real. But there are some companies that will cut protein with something. Like you see it a lot in the mass gainers. They'll put some form of like a low-quality carbohydrate source or something to make it seem like the scoop is gigantic. Like they'll put anything in there to make it seem like for these mass builders and these like mass gainer shakes, you get this gigantic scoop when it's really, they probably could have done it with half the scoop and mass gainer shakes in general are pretty low grade, low quality. You're better off just drinking a regular protein shake and adding in things like if you can handle the dairy, adding in things like whole milk. If you want to add in any powder, a dextrose powder would make sense or 
anything like that. Or if you want to just put straight sugar in, you can do that too. Because if the name of the game is weight gain, sugar can help. (laughs) But yeah, that's my two cents on protein powders. And I gave this one a try. Not bad, not bad. And we're about, let's see, we're seven minutes into the podcast, which means I probably drank the first sip around 20, 30 minutes ago. And as for that digestibility, that absorption, it's doing pretty good. It's I'm hoping, I was hoping for that because I can put up with a not so great taste and be willing to trial and error it and mix things in to make it taste better and if the digestibility is right, if it doesn't feel like I'm walking around with a brick in my stomach. So all looks good. I can't wait to try the vanilla version of this because I know sometimes with the chocolate, they add because they want to cut the taste of the like the products, whatever their number one ingredient is, more times than not does not taste great. So they'll add in and pound the concentrate of something else, just enough so it doesn't mess with the calories, but enough where it's like, whoa, you can really taste it. So I think they went all in on the bitterness and the chocolatey taste, which isn't a bad thing. I'm a good, I'm good with chocolate. I like the dark chocolate, but if you're if we're rating it on like a scale like yeah when you get the uh dark chocolate and you get the percentages of cocoa in it this would probably be in like the 85 percent to 90 range where it's like all right this is like i taste chocolate but god i wish i got some milk chocolate after this one so that being said take it for what it's worth i think the digestibility is worth it and the help that it is in my diet definitely worth it And for you, be willing to experiment. Just because you found a company that you've been doing their product forever, do a real audit. Like figure out like, does this actually feel good in my body or am I just doing it to like check a box and say I got enough protein? Because absorption does matter. And another thing to consider is if you're getting enough protein. Now this one had 20 or 20 grams in each scoop, which is standard. A lot of times when you go to, Costco, BJ's, Walgreens, uh, CVS, and they have these proteins on the shelf. Yes, they're dirt cheap. And then you look at something like this, like the Ancient Nutrition, theirs was uh, 40 bucks for, I think it was like 20 servings. I don't even think it was a full month. I might be wrong though. Anyway, 40 bucks for a month's worth is like about what you want to be paying, assuming that the quality is there. But you see some of these that are like $20 or $25 for a month's worth or even more. And you look at the label and when you measure dollars to protein, it makes sense because in each scoop, it's only like five, 10 grams. And you're like, this is a protein powder. What the hell am I paying for? And it's usually those cutting agents are like these fillers that really don't do a whole lot for you. So when it comes to like, for example, let's say there were 20 servings in this, in the ancient nutrition one. So there's 20 servings times 20, uh, 20, uh, grams of protein. That would be 400 grams of protein divided by $40. It would be 10 grams of protein per dollar. I think <laughs> so. Yeah. Cause per dollar, that would mean $2 a scoop and there's 20 servings. So that would be two times 20, 40. Yeah. So Sorry, my mental math on these episodes is nothing short of third grade level. But yeah, so you're getting 10 grams of protein per dollar, which is pretty good. 
pretty good. And it's consistent if you're getting that five to 10 grams of protein if you're only paying $20. Makes sense. But you really want to make sure that what you're getting is actual quality because they'll fool you in that way. That it You think, oh, it, it's all protein. It's all the same. Not even close. Not even close. And I'll just tell you straight up, when it comes to digestibility, when it comes to absorption, when it comes to just bang for your buck, never, ever, ever get anything from Walgreens, Costco, BJ's, any of those big chains, because they're just selling you the cheapest one that they can get. That Plain and simple. If you want a quality protein, first and foremost, I would go to labdoor.com and check and make sure that it's quality. I tried on this one on the ancient or ancient. I want to keep saying ancient grains, ancient nutrition, and I really couldn't find anything on them. I would have rather that they had something, but they don't review bone broth protein. Damn. But if you want to check out like a major brand that is worth the money, go ahead and check out labdoor.com. That's L A B is in boy, D is in door. <laughs> See what I did there? D is in door, then O-O-R.com. So labdoor.com. And they third-party test all of these big name brands. They make they run it through their testing and they make sure that it's legitimate. And that way you can make somewhat of an informed decision. And then you, they have like an Amazon link for all of these. Because at the end of the day, you can get anything on Amazon. So you might as well do it there. Or... If you want to browse a little bit and really do it in person, you can go to a GNC or a vitamin shop, but fair warning, those sales reps don't know shit. (laughs) And I can say this because I was one of them. I didn't know a damn thing. And looking back, the people that I worked with didn't know a damn thing either. So educate yourself. Do not rely on them because you never know if you got somebody that's just not intelligent and is just there for a job and trying to do their best with the knowledge they have or if they're willfully trying to screw you over to make a commission because i know i think it is gnc they operate on commission for gnc products so if they try and point you in the direction of something that they have postered all over the entire shop you know where their intentions lie (laughs) sorry i will move on from that one we'll call it on that uh Next is going to be stretching post-workout, which is something I started to do recently. I've had athletes do it in the past. I've had everybody pretty much try it at one point or another. And I got to say, it feels freaking amazing. (laughs) Now, normally I have clients do stretching as like a filler in between sets so that I know they're resting. And because it's usually like a passive stretch. It's not like a really challenging yoga thing or anything like that, that where your heart rate is jacked up. It's like a really passive, relaxed stretch. And doing that at the end of the workout provides a lot of benefits. Now, we've talked in the past about doing it pre-workout in your warm-up, where it's like it's very good for opening up new ranges of motion and loosening up things that might be tight from the workday or anything like that. And when you train in those ranges of motion, you really lock it in and you set yourself up for a really good recovery. You set yourself up for optimal gains and there's a lot of good to come of that. Now let's talk at the end of the workout. At the end of the workout, it has a lot of benefit too because 
it puts you in a very relaxed state. So one, you get the most benefit from the actual stretching because you're now warm from your workout, which means that your tissue temperature is elevated, which allows your body to stretch to a point where it wouldn't have been able to in that warm up because you weren't quite warm enough yet. Now you're at your warmest and you really get to stretch out and really expand the fibers more so than you would have. So as for the actual act of stretching, it is at a good level. Then on top of that, when you're all done, it really sets your body up for the best alignment later in the day. That's really one of the hidden hidden benefits of stretching is the after effect. So let's take your hip flexors, for example. You come out of work after sitting for eight hours, you're going to have that tightness in your hips and they're going to be locked in and feel pretty locked in. And you're walking, you're sitting, your movement throughout the day is all going to be with this tighter flex position. This can put a lot of strain on your lower back, on your upper back, on your knees, because all of them are compensating to help you walk with this now residual stiffness from sitting. Now let's throw in the stretching. When you do the stretching, you now open them up. Those hip flexors have now opened up. Now you're, you are allowing your body to have a more upright posture, which then decreases the stress on your lower back. It decreases the demand on your knees. It decreases a lot of the unnecessary stress that comes with these postures that are painful, like in the long term, they can be painful, not for everybody, but you know what I mean? If you are in some sort of pain, doing the stretching afterwards can help a lot with reduction of that pain and so on and so forth. Myself personally, when I go into the car, like what do we got? Hopefully a little more than 15 minutes because I don't want my girlfriend to kill me or we're going to a wedding and the drive is three and a half hours. You better believe I'm going to stretch because when you open up the hips and the shoulders and you have some triggering thing, like for me, the trigger is prolonged sitting while driving. It's just not comfortable on my back. And I used to not be able to make it more than an hour or two in the car. But now after the stretching, after making some adjustments in the training program, I can make it with no problem whatsoever. So after this podcast, I'm going to go for like a five, 10 minute walk, stretch out the hips a little bit, and then we'll get going. And I know that that's going to help a lot. So as far as pain reduction goes, like if you're driving home from the gym or you just know that sitting on the couch, watching Netflix with your husband, your wife, your kids for a couple hours is going to make your back cranky before bed. Definitely, definitely worth throwing it in. Or if you do the early morning workouts, it can set you up for a much better day if you're all nice and loose and everything's feeling great. And even if you do have to sit at your desk, it won't be as uncomfortable. Uh, Did I miss anything? Uh, And oh yeah, the big one, (laughs) less anxiety slash aggression. Now, working out in general is a great stress reliever, but, but when you leave and you feel incredible and you feel relaxed and you've taken the time to bring your breathing down and you really got five to ten minutes of being relaxed in your own head with your thoughts being able to really dial it down your day improves tremendously we used to do this in uh what we called our fat blast class back where I used to work it was like a group class and you your heart rate would be jacked up by the end but what we started to do was 
at the very end, we would do like a stretching routine and really get people to focus on their breathing, really bring their heart rate down and they would get done. And it was like an endorphin rush where it was like, whoa, that was good. And literally without fail, every class, as soon as I'd be like, end time, they'd be like a group. Oh, that was great. (laughs) So I think that is as strong of a case as I can make for doing stretching post-workout. Give it a try. Just pick one or two spots that are cranky. Like if you, if your low back is really tight and painful, don't stretch out your low back, stretch out your hips. So do a half kneel stretch. I'll make a note here so I can put the YouTube link in the bio. Okay, we'll do, for anybody who has low back stuff going on, give this a try. Half kneel stretch. The half kneel stretch will be number one. The next one would be a figure four stretch. And then the last one will be, let's see, which one should I give you? We'll say, yeah, yeah, we'll do a T-spine rotation, T-spine rotation. And that will, for most people, really, really help because those are the big spots that tend to be very, very tight from a seated posture over time is the hip flexors, the abductors, abductors, the outside of your hip, like the side of your butt, that area, and then your shoulders, like the rotation of the upper half of your back when it's not able to turn and rotate in a comfortable way, it can crank on the lower back. So doing those things makes a world of difference. Definitely give them a try at some point today and just see how you feel. Could be worth it. All right. Now, last but not least is going to be, oh man, I wasn't planning on doing the protein one and I'm between two right now. It's either context when giving advice or mental shift towards mental benefit of exercise. I'm going to go with context matters because I've hit the mentality a lot lately. So this one is more just on the educational side of who to listen to. When I say context matters, you hear me when I'm like, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. I could definitely improve delivery on certain things. And it's an ever, it's a process that of learning that never ends to refine how you say things. But there are some hard rules when it comes to this that allow you to really sift through who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. Like when I give an example, I set the frame and that's first and foremost. Anybody who knows anything about what they're talking about sets the frame of who they are talking to and how it applies. Because these blanket statements of, oh, this is good for you. Oh, this is bad for you is like, no, there's always an outlier. I can tell you right now, I think exercise and and eating whole foods is amazing for everybody, but there's going to be somebody out there that anytime they elevate their heart rate, it can put them, it can kill them. Like if they have cardiac issues or somebody whose digestion is God awful because of a medical condition and they can't really break down whole foods without being put in the ER because they're in so much pain or some other ridiculous thing I can't even think of right now because there are always 
always outliers. So a lot of times people fail to set the frame and they fail to say, listen, this is for general public, general healthy population. And there's always a debate on what's healthy, what's not. But basically a lot of people in the fitness space are speaking to healthy people, not diabetic and yeah, (laughs) nothing crazy involved in, in what they're saying, because I've been guilty of it too. I did, I've shit on sugar being bad for you saying it's really not that bad in the context of a good diet. However, if you're diabetic, you can throw everything I said out the window because when it comes to metabolization of sugars and how it affects your blood sugar and how it affects the rest of your body, your kidneys and all that other stuff, that is your, your body, um, your physiology has been changed by this condition. And what I say does not apply because it could potentially be some of the worst advice ever for somebody in that specific condition. It could be terrible advice that could end land somebody in the hospital or worse if they go hyper or hypoglycemic, depending on which way they go. And that's never good. <laughs> but this is why you got to set the frame because especially fitness professionals, we're not doctors. And when you listen to doctors talk, they do this better than almost anybody. They're like, well, pause. Like they almost stop you in your tracks and they're like, okay, if we're talking about this in this specific situation with this scenario and we add this instead of doing this and they're really kind of just eliminating factors because when you're trying to answer a specific question, blanket statements aren't worth shit. They're really not. Will they be true for a lot of people? Absolutely. There's stuff that you can say, like when I say stuff, I don't say for everybody, or this is a guarantee. Actually, (laughs) sometimes I've said guarantee, but I still set the frame. But anytime you say 100%, absolutely, no no questions asked, it's usually just a a giant load of shit because nobody, nothing is good for everybody except for maybe oxygen. That's the only thing I can think of. And even then, there's probably somebody out there that's like requires lower oxygen levels than everybody else. And you know what? There's always going to be outliers. So for that reason, you really got to get specific on setting the frame so that you can make a point and actually not be full of shit. Um, The other thing is you got to explain the pros and the cons. Again, Back to the doctor example, when you're get about to get a medication or something, what's the first thing they tell you? Side effects. If you take this drug, just so you know, if you experience this, 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 and this, come right back because it's not right for you. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people in medicine, in fitness, in anything really are educated guesses. It's just the most, it's the most educated guess or the highest educated guess. But that's because you, again, you really don't know. People are outliers. People will prove you wrong time and time again. And if you say that this works for everybody, get ready because somebody's going to prove you wrong. And it's a very good sign of somebody that's either very, very new or very, very ignorant. So again, if you hear somebody saying, great for everybody. No, no downside, yada, 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 full shit. And the last thing is what are they comparing it to? So 
for example, let's go back to the protein and say, oh, this mar- this marketing person is like, oh, it is 100% times more effective and leaves it there because I almost did, I almost filled it in for them. They'll leave it at, oh, it's 100% more effective. And then your next question should be, compared to what? Compared to what? 100% more effective or increases muscle protein synthesis by 500,000%. And it's like, okay, compared to what? <laughs> compared to nothing? Okay. Compared to another protein supplement? Okay, which one? Compared to regular food? Okay, what foods? Because that stuff matters. Everything, the context matters. You really need a whole picture. And back to the marketing. Marketing loves, loves, loves giving out guarantees, loves making blanket statements, loves telling you that this is X amount percent incredible compared to the other thing. Or not even compared to the other thing. They just put the percentages up and you're like, whoa. And I could say this because I'm guilty of it. I was a teenager and I would literally look on the back of these labels and it would say, oh, increases muscle protein synthesis by 150%. And I'd look at my mom and be like, look, mom, it works. Well, sorry, mom, I wasted a lot of your money. But now that I'm a big boy and make my own money, I don't like wasting it. And I don't think anybody listening right now likes wasting their money either. So if you're looking at a supplement and it has claims like that, look, toss it, don't go near it. And if you have somebody on Instagram that is saying like, this works for everybody or like the hundred percent guarantee, blah, blah, blah. They're usually full of shit, plain and simple. It is the way it is. But if you do find those people that speak in the way that I told you, like they really set the frame. They really let you understand who this applies to. They um, give you the pros and the cons, like things that could potentially go wrong to really inform you so that you're safer. And for those, and for the people that they also let you know, like this is in comparison to this other product or in comparison to this other situation that, Those are the types of people that you really want to listen to and you really want to get your information from because they're going to give you the full picture and they're not going to, they're going to still be biased. Everybody's biased to a point, but the amount of bias is going to be much, much, much lower compared to that person saying, this is great for everybody. Sorry, I, I keep getting redundant, but this, this irks me when, when people do this stuff, because the the same people that do this are usually relying on the fact that they've got pictures with their own six pack and everything. And they're trying to fool everybody into thinking that they know what they're talking about when they really don't, because they take more time to edit their pictures than they do actually looking in textbooks and reading and having experience on the training floor and everything like that. Cause they're not real coaches. They're just pretending to be. So hopefully this will help you sift them out and really find some quality people that know what they're talking about. And off the top of my head, God, I this note this show notes is gonna be loaded. Okay, off the top of my head, we got um people that I have found are very useful to listen to. Dr. Lane Norton. We got in the last um the last episode I mentioned Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. Um when it comes to when it comes to the muscle building, like um, fat 
when it comes to fat loss, like Lane Norton's a good guy, Alan Aragon for just general nutrition. When it comes to like muscle building and things like that, Dr. Mike Isretel. Um, let me just put that down. Uh, another one is anybody really from 3DMJ, uh, Eric Helms. He's also friends with Omar Isaf, who's a really, really good ambassador for fitness just in general. Really good quality guy that I've been listening to for, God, over 10, 10 15 years. He's like a YouTube original. And that should get you in the right direction when it comes to like Mike Isretel. Anybody on the Renaissance Periodization team is really good to listen to. Eric Helms with 3DMJ, their whole squad is incredible to listen to. Lane Norton has the BioLane team, so they have people like Noah Lee or uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, it's escaping me. I can't think of it right now. But anybody you see with like the BioLane um, affiliation, they all know their stuff. They're high quality, high intelligence. So yeah, I'll put all those in the show notes so you guys have somebody to look at and really get an idea of what I'm talking about as far as quality of people to really get good information from. So yeah, I'll I'll call it there because my brain is about to just quit giving me words. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This whole back-to-back podcast thing is harder than it seems, but it's probably like anything. It's just a muscle that needs to be worked and each week it'll get easier and easier. So with that, I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Go kick some ass, and I'll see you guys on Monday. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a five-star review, and make sure to go hit that subscribe button so that way you don't miss another episode of the Fitness and Nutrition Simplified Podcast.